Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Um, Save the Cowboy was was started here about seven years ago uh, when Kevin Weatherby escaped Texas and, and came up here and... and uh, huh? Yeah, yeah. Halfway to God's country. Uh. <laughs> He's got to move two two states north to get to the to the promised land. Uh. But he's he's part way there. Um, and he's, and Kevin started this ministry, and I I came for the first time about right at about five years ago. Heard about uh, this ministry was was kind of in a in a funk with my with my spirituality and my faith uh, had decided I really was just going to do it on my own and then heard about this cowboy church that was starting up and it brought Coy and we came to check it out and uh, we sat in the back in fact I took a chair from there and moved it clear to the back so that so that I had a really quick escape route and uh, within within two minutes was hooked because this was the kind of kind of experience that I wanted the kind of fellowship the kind of church family that I was looking for um, and for the first time uh, it took me a little while to make to make sure but for the first time I decided I was going to go ahead and put a toe in the water about giving my life over to Jesus Christ and and that was the start um, Kevin had a vision of having a church ministry that that was not just where, where people came and sat on Sundays and and then just went home and did the same old thing uh, he wanted a ministry that came on Sundays to, to learn, but, but spent Monday through Saturday acting on their faith and, and doing something about it. Um, this cowboy church, that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you have to be a cowboy to come here, but, but we, we try to teach through stories and, and the way of the cowboy because that's what we know. We don't know anything else. I don't, I don't know the way of the, the electrician, or I don't know the way of the swimmer for sure. I don't, I don't. We know the way of, of the cowboy, and so that's, that's the way we teach. Um, and so we, we kind of have a twofold vision here. One is to, to bring people to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and, and to introduce them and help them along their journey. But the other half of that is to keep the, the cowboy traditions alive. Um, you know, there's people that are two or three generations away from agriculture right now. They have no idea where their food comes from. Um, and so we're, we want to make sure that we can educate and, and help people, cowboy and cattle, range management, you know, the whole gamut, how to doctor pink eye, lance and abscess. If anybody wants to know how to lance and abscess, um, I need volunteers because that's a rough one on me. I got a little bit of a weak stomach for that. So, uh, Robert loves it. He just loves it. Uh, um, so we decided we were going we to start an actual working ranch with this, with this ministry. And we got a lot of flack for that because people were like, well, why, why does the church need a ranch? Why, why can't we just have a building where we can just sit and talk about? Yeah, yeah, pews. Yeah. <laughs> I remember as a child. <laughs> Start passing it. I figure if we keep the hat moving, 
It can probably get around here four or five times by the time I'm done talking. And we'll, we'll guilt you into giving, I, I promise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. We don't, want a, we don't want a building where people are sitting in it. What we want is a, we wanted a ranch where we could get out of this building and go do something and learn something so that we could take our faith out into the world and, and be active with it, not, not just sitting around talking about it, okay? Um, you, you, see, you see cowboys and farmers in the coffee shop, and they're talking about it in the mornings. But then after they have their breakfast and their coffee, they go do it, okay? They go do cowboy stuff. Um, and so that's what we wanted to do. So we, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And finally, a, an opportunity came along for, for us to buy a little place up the road here uh, for a little kind of a home camp, you know. Um, and then we, we were able to lease some land along with that. And we, now we had a ranch but no cattle. And so that's a problem. So we leased, some, or we leased out the land for a guy that had some cattle, and we started building our own cow herd. And thanks to the generosity of, of many people, I'm not going to name every single one of them, but, but everybody knows who you are. Uh, the, the online thing isn't on, but we've had cattle donated from, from a lot of different states, uh, a, lot of, a lot of local cattle donated, and we've, we've been able to start building our herd up. And, and so we got that lease four years ago, so we've really been starting, we've been in the cow business about three years, and if you count our cows and our calves and our bulls and the yearlings we're running, we're, we're close to 100 head of cattle out there already. And so it's been growing and, and building, and, and I don't want this to be just about numbers, but, but what it is is it's, it's getting us to, to where we want to go, which is to be a self-sustaining cattle operation that is going to feed the world. Feed, we're starting with feeding people locally, but we want to be able to feed as many people as we can, hungry people, with, with Save the Cowboy Beef. Um, last year, we, we gave away probably over 1,500 pounds of beef to needy families. Over Christmas, we helped out 25 families that, that were hungry um, with high-quality beef. This isn't just stuff that, well, let's clean out the freezer, you know. Let's get all the freezer burnt stuff and give that away. We take it off the top for these people. Uh, it's, it's good, high-quality beef. Uh, we, we give away the same stuff that we eat. And, and it's all because of you guys that we've been able to do that. Um, just last week, uh, one of Kevin and my dreams came true. We, for about four years now, we've been talking about having a cowboy crew put together of, of handy people that can go out and serve our, not only locally serve our community, but serve nationally, go out and help ranchers that are, that are in need. And so last Wednesday was our first get together. We had, I think a, I think a dozen of us um, or so, and about another eight or 10 couldn't make it. Um, but that's the inception of our cowboy crew, which is, which is gonna be totally about learning, teaching and serving in the community. And that was a big day for Kevin and I. It was, it was a tear to my eye, mostly because there was two Texans there. Um, <laughs> two and a half. One guy with, had lived in Texas, but yeah, so he got forgiven. And yeah, yeah. He's got a little bit of scar there, but, but we're, we got high hopes for him. Uh, but it, it, was, it was pretty cool. And, and so we're... I, I can't speak for Kevin, but I'm pretty impatient about this stuff because he's the idea guy, okay? And he, he throws this stuff out just as fast as it. <laughs> and then, and I just sit there and 
I'm like, <laughs> I'm literally sitting there when he's talking, doing this, because it's, it's blowing all my hair back. And, and uh, he, uh, <laughs> I used to have hair for Kevin. Uh, but when, when we get these ideas, we want them to start right now. And that's just not the way God works. Uh, we've had a lot of good ideas that weren't God ideas, and so they didn't work. And so we, we have to pray about it. We have, to, we have to step out there in faith, and a lot of times we make a mistake, and it wasn't the right thing. But, but God seems to bump us back and steer us back on, on the road we want, and God's provided every single thing that we've needed uh, along the way. And, and it's a good exercise in patience, and it, it's a great exercise in, in depending upon him uh, because he will provide. And I want to I read out of 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Um, when, when we get this cowboy crew kind of on board and trained up a little bit, we're going to start the next phase of the summer program, which is going to be to invite everybody out there to this ranch who, who wants to come out and, and start learning. In any way, if you just want to ride around, fellowship, if you don't even have a horse and just want to come out and hang out and eat a cheeseburger, um, any, if you want to fix some fence for me or dig out a, a windmill tank or, you know, lance those abscesses, anything like that. Uh, but we're going to have people out there that can, that can help and teach. And, and Huh? Yeah, we need someone who knows how to glue on eye patches. <laughs> not gifted in that category. Like, we can't afford to have glue on eye patches <laughs> because I go through so many of them. Um, now I don't know where I was, but anyway, preacher interrupted me. Uh, anyway, that's a little bit of an over of where we've come so far and where we're planning on going with this. Uh, our goal is to have ranches all over this country, all over the world, uh, with Long X brand on those cattle. Uh, not because we want to accumulate things and wealth, but because we want to get other people involved in this vision and, and in this dream of living the cowboy life for God. Um, it's the best Ask Abe, it's the best thing you can do, is the cowboy for God. Um, and it's not easy, but it's, but it's well worth it. So we, we were generously uh, donated uh, a steel shop building recently. And it's going to take some, some, some money to get the, the concrete work done, to get the construction done on that. Um, and it's money we don't have. So we, we're going to use this shop not only to, you know, store our, our tools, our, our three tools. <laughs> we are not mechanics. We have three tools. We have a big, we have a hammer. We have a bigger hammer. And then we have a really big hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the, the asking hammer. And then we have the telling hammer. And then we, I've lost my temper hammer. Uh, so we won't need a lot of room for our three hammers, but, but, uh, but we're going we're gonna to build a walk-in freezer in that building um, because my goal would be to slaughter every single calf that we raise and, and give away that meat. Um, and so we're going to build a walk-in freezer. We've got the, the, what the, what do you call that, the condenser or the conditioner or the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, but we want to get that done. And so long story short, we are going to do a fundraiser auction to help support this endeavor, and it's pretty exciting. Yeah, coming up soon. We've, we've kept it kind of a secret up till now because 
just because we're secret keepers. Uh, uh, June 16th, am I correct? My wife Kathy has been working hard on this uh, for quite some time now, for what, a year, six months? Well, we've had the idea for a year. Um, but uh, we're going to do an auction fundraiser, and it's going to be June 16th, and tickets go on sale today. Okay, we have to, you have to pre-purchase your tickets because we need, we need numbers for the food and everything. Tickets are $25 an adult, 10 for kids, 12 and a, 12, 10 for kids, 12 and under. Tucker, you can't get in free. Huh. Um, and, uh, it's going to be all the proceeds are going to go to to build this shop and put in that freezer unit, um, so that we can give away meat to needy people. And so my beautiful wife is going to come up here and talk a little bit about her fundraiser gala. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, it's so cute. And I'm going to continue to be a secret keeper because I'm only going to give you this much today of the fundraiser. And we're going to tease you for the next five weeks. Um, but uh, this is, I really am excited about it. And you'll see we have a table set up in back. You can start purchasing your tickets today. And we sort of want to um, have everyone pre-purchase so we know how much food to make. And um, the one thing, gentlemen, that I will say, and ladies, we don't normally have a hard time getting ladies to dress up in pretty dresses, but this is going to be a suggested formal affair. Your preacher and Ty will be wearing tuxedos to this. Um, so it will be a fun event. <laughs> they might be dumb and dumber. I don't know what, <laughs> what their tuxedos will look like, so that is still yet to be determined. Ty says he's wearing orange, <laughs> but they will be in tuxedos. <laughs> and um, what we have in the back today, just to sort of start this off, is we have our door prizes are going to be on sale each Sunday. Um, the tickets will be on sale um, for the next five weeks. You can take cards if you want, if you know anyone that wants to purchase them. Um, the two items that are um, going to be um, drawn and given away are one, um, Brooke at Powder River Hats is donating a 100% beaver custom hat. It has a $1,200 value, so you can buy tickets for that back there. And um, a lovely friend of mine, Karen Zarlingo, donated a, it's valued at $2,800 pearl and ruby necklace with a platinum chain. I will tell you that if you that's broken down piece by piece, $2,800, but it's probably six or $7,000 if you were to go to the store and buy it. So it's spectacular. 16 millimeter pearl with a total of one carat of rubies on it. And again, the platinum chain is magnificent. So you just get to, so you get to go look at it. And um, like I said, I'm happy to give anyone cards if they want to take them to work and sell them to any of their coworkers. This is just trying to reach out and raise money to get this uh, meat locker, in my mind, um, put up. And being able to feed hungry people is really awesome. And I think there's so many hungry people here in our community that sometimes we're not even aware of. And as we grow, we'll be able to spread that. 
And just to let you know, the venue is going to be at the Younger Ranch, which is, if you've not been there, I'm sure some of you have heard of it. It is absolutely magnificent. One of the most spectacular venues I've ever been to. I went there just as a courtesy. Gina had suggested that I come see it, and I thought, eh, we'll just do it here, in here, and we'll decorate. And I went there, and I felt like I was transformed to another time and place, and I'm like, my gosh, this is just magnificent. Way to go, Gina and Rex. So anyway, that is going to be really fun. June 16th from 4 to 10 p.m. We have little flyers on the table, just sort of reminder cards so you remember the date. And as we go, I will start talking about sort of silent auction items that we have. I will promise you this, that they are all um, being made for us. And high quality cowboy gear and silver and tack that is been donated to us in artwork and these are things that you'll want in your home um, so it's not just something somebody pulled out of the, their back shed <laughs> so i can't wait to share it all with you guys and look forward to seeing you oh and let me pray before we start here Lord, I just thank you so much for today and uh, want to say a special thanks to Kevin for giving Ty and I this opportunity to serve in this church. And I keep that in the forefront of everything I do and just pray that you bless this fundraiser gala for the Long X Ranch and help us to be able to reach out to more and more people and more families to share your love for us and to help us save as many people as we can and to walk with them hand in hand. Thank you and God bless all the mothers today and in your name we pray, amen. Right, good morning everybody. It's, boy, hadn't it been a nice couple of days? Man, even this Texan liked it. Although I, the other day I was in my, I was in my coat and, or not coat, but sport coat and I'd been out day working and stuff and, Man, it was feeling good. Came in, he's like, it's so hot. It was like 75, 77. My fingers had just not been blue for a little while. And oh my God, but it, it has been lovely. And hopefully we got some rain on the way. We, we sure enough need it. Welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is a sick pen for sinners, not a show ring for saints. We're not here to pat ourselves in the back. We are here to help each other, to help each other grow. You know, that, you know a lot of people use that iron sharpens iron as like you do what I tell you because I'm sharpening you. No, that's not what it is. We all, we're all growing together. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I always take it as a compliment because if it's not a compliment, if you're gonna insult me, you just gotta say, would you listen close because I'm fixing to insult you. Uh, but people say, you know, from the time I first got here until now that they've seen me grow as a preacher. And, and, and I appreciate that. And, and if that's not happening, there's something wrong. But I've seen y'all grow too. And, and, it, and it's amazing to, to know some of you for six and seven years. And, and even y'all that I've only known for a little while. Um, the fact that you're here means that you want to grow. And, and that's what we do in this ministry. We, we try to introduce you to Jesus Christ and then, and then we get out of the way. You know, for, for a long time... Uh, uh, me and Ty were friends, and Ty had a friend named Sean, and I use this as an illustration all the time, but the only time I saw Sean was when I was with Ty, but now me and Sean are friends, 
And e even when Ty's not around, me and Sean call each other. We talk. We're like, hey, man, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And that's what we want you to be with Jesus. We don't want you to only hang out with Jesus whenever you're at, at a clinic, on a Sunday clinic, with Save the Cowboy. We want you to have a relationship with God. We're going to say, hey, man, Jesus, this is my buddy. This buddy, this is my, this is, this is my Lord, Jesus. And we want to step out of the way, okay? A lot of people say uh, one of the reasons that, that they don't go to church anymore is that they wasn't getting fed. If you want me to feed you, you're going to starve to death, okay? I'm a horrible cook, okay? But I'm not the bread of life. What Jesus is the bread of life. If you're starving to death, it's because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Not because me, because I'm not, I'm not responsible for your relationship. On the day you die, you're going to stand up in front of the Almighty himself, and you're going to answer for the, thing, for the life that you lived. And basically, there's going to be one criteria. Was Jesus your Lord and Savior? Did you know him? And I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about personal relationship. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to try to bring you closer to Jesus. We're going to tell you all about him. And then hopefully, when today's over, I'm going to step out of the way, and I'm going to let you and Jesus discuss what we talk about all week long. And if you don't have something to discuss after today, yeah, yeah. Uh, Come talk to me. We've got a problem because I think there's there's something going to be in here for everybody. Unfortunately, all of it is for me. Hopefully, a little bit of it is for you. Um, I, I've I've always been really good at going and helping other people. Um, a, as soon as anybody calls, I, I I always try to be available to offer help. And so I've got three horses that I ride. Uh, uh, Fiona, Faline, and and a horse named Budhead. Okay, now Budhead is not indicative of the way he acts most of the time. It's uh, it's the way he looks because he's a great looking pony, except for his butt and his head. Okay, I mean right between you know between the front cinch and the back cinch, he's man, he's like Secretariat or something. I mean he's he's golden, you know. But uh, anyway. I, I always take my horses out to work. You know, I go out to Gary's or I go out to Robert's or I go out to Ty's or I go out to Charlie's or, you know, wherever the case may be. I'm always going out. Well, now that we got a lot of cattle at the house, I, I started riding more at the house, and I, and I figured out that, that, that there's a problem that my horses like to work everywhere else, but they don't like to work at home. And so uh, Butthead has been acting indicative of his name lately, and Butthead has been acting like a Butthead. Okay, and so he, he wants to stay with the other horses and where there's hay and where it's comfortable and where it's nice and where you don't have to do anything. You just go over there and eat hay all day and drink water and hang out with the girls. That, that's all he wants to do when he's at home. It kind of sounds like some of our kids, huh? And so anyway, uh, so I saddled up Budhead the other day. And uh, anyway, it, I, I knew it was going to be a wreck because I had ridden him not too long ago, and he, and he was a butthead. And so I I'd talked to Ty, and he had confirmed what I had already known, and, and, and I knew how to fix it, and he gave me a few other pointers that I really liked. And so I, I started training on butthead. I went over there and got him the other day, and, and I knew it was going to be a fight from the minute I, I put the halter on him. Because, you know, one of the things I hate is, is a horse that, that gets all up in your personal space or, you know, you, you know, tries to get in front of you or anything. So I had to, like, beat him off of me. And then, you know, I just want you to walk right there, you know. 
and that, that causes problems later on. I, I don't want him all up in my personal space. So we walked over there, and I tied him up. I went over there, and I got my saddle. And it took me 15 minutes to get this horse saddled because one, another one of my pet peeves is when they won't just stand there. You ever tried to, to saddle a horse that's just moving around all the time? You know, it just, so I'd go to throw the saddle on and he'd move, and I would, I mean, I'm serious. It, it sounds monotonous, and a lot of people would be like, okay, he's tied up. He can't go very far. But I want, where I stop him, when I go to throw that saddle on, his four feet must stay in that exact same spot for me to saddle him. So I'd go to throw the saddle, and he'd just, even if he just took one step in a direction, I'd pull the saddle back down, I'd reposition him, whoa. Go to throw the saddle on. This took me like 15 minutes, and, you know, I mean, now my, my right arm is like this big. It's real buff. I've got it taped up so y'all don't see it and it don't look weird. But, you know, from throwing that saddle up there so many times. But, you know, I'd get him saddled, I'd reach under, and he'd kind of move over a little bit, scoot him back over. 15 minutes of doing this. And so I, I finally, got him, uh, finally got him saddled, and uh, I went up to the arena Kind of trotted him around, loped him around, warmed him up a little bit, and he was kind of acting like a butthead. And so I went out to check the yearlings. And here I go. We get over there, and, and, and we just get out of sight of the pins, and he starts acting like a butthead. And all I'm asking him to do is to walk out there and sit there. That's it. That's all I was asking him to do. And it would last this long. We'd walk up there. I'd pull him up. I'd stop him, and he'd sit there for just a second and try to turn around and look towards the pins. So I'd turn back around, and he kept, not, not really trying to go back or anything, but just, you know, restless. You know, he'd walk sideways and look, or he'd start, you know, pawing the ground. And, and, and so anyway, I was like, oh, so you want to go back to the pins, huh? You won't just, you, you won't just uh, sit there and, and, and be still? Well, I'll take you back to the pins. So we went to the pins. We went right through the pins, and he was all happy. You could see him smiling. Like, oh, we're done. We went right into the arena and loped for about an hour and a half. And he's, <laughs> and we rode right back out through the pen, right past the girls. And we went back out, and we stopped at the yearlings. He looks back. I didn't say he was a smart horse, okay? I never said he was smart. And he starts pawing the ground like, oh, you want to go back? Okay. So we went back, and he was all smiles. <laughs> hey, girls, I'm back. And we walked right through the pins, right into the arena, and I loped him for another 45 minutes. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Ah. So, anyway, I walked up to the gate, and he was like, whew, I'm glad we're done. And we rode right through the pin, right back out to the yearlings. And every single time, it, it, it took him three times to figure out that all I wanted him to do was rest outside of his comfort zone, or as I like to call it, the sissy pen. All I want you to do is just go out here where you're not comfortable. You don't have to do nothing but just stand there. This is easier than running from Fiona because she's trying to bite you. Okay? This, this is the simple stuff right here. This is where you find rest is out here. And sure enough, after getting back out there to those yearlings the third time, he walked out there and he kind of started to look and then he went, and that lasted for about 30 or 40 seconds, and then he kind of looked back. And, you know, it's a process. You're never going to fix nothing overnight. In our relationship with God, we're not going to fix anything overnight. But I saw just a hint of improvement where the light bulb, I don't know that it came on, but it flickered. You know what I mean? It's just like a little, it's like, okay, that's good enough, man. We, we saw a little bit of the light. 
So I went back, and I tied him up to the trailer and just left him there for like another hour just so he knows when he goes back to the pen that, that that's not necessarily the best part. The best part is whenever I'm done with you. When I pull the saddle off, then you can go back in to your comfort zone, you know, in all of our lives. The title of today's clinic is Don't Be a Butthead. I'm not talking about my horse. Because in all of this, you know who the butthead was? It was me. I caused most of that by not doing what I should have been doing all along. But there's, there's, God, God speaks to me all of the time through horses, through dogs, through the working ranch cowboy life, through doctoring cattle, through roping cattle, through moving cattle, or, or whatever it is. God's always like, hey, man, did you see that? Well, there's, there's three things, three mistakes or, or attitudes or something that I see in horses that are reflective of my relationship with God a lot of times. And actually, I've kind of already mentioned all three of them if you were paying attention. The very first one is, I think that we are really bad about invading God's personal space. God says, hey, you go with me? And we're like, okay, I'll go with you. And we get right up on him, and he starts shooing us away because we start getting into his personal space. And a lot of you are already, I can see it on your faces. You're like, what does he mean by that? You know what the way that we invade God's personal space all the time is? Is a, a, a word that starts with W. It's called worry. Worry is what happens when you try to be God. Because worry is, is, is thinking negatively about something that you have absolutely no control over. I've always said that, you know, those, those, those rumble strips on the side of the highway, you know, when, I, when they started putting those on, uh, I, I, call, I call them lovey strips because that's the way my, my wife likes to drive. She drives right on them for like, you know, forever. And uh, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that the, 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 those rumble strips are there to keep you from going in the bar ditch, okay? And the bar ditch is, is worry, okay? It's getting off. Jesus said don't go to the left nor to the right. We're supposed to just stay in the middle. And when we start worrying about things that we can't control, we're getting off into God's personal space. We're getting off into God's territory, God can do anything about anything, but we can't. Think about that. You know, stress is the number one killer of people in the United States. Stress. And you know what stress is? Worry. We worry about all types of things, you know, and silly things. Although I did hear a pretty comment one time that said, they, they say that worry never works, but I think it does because all the stuff I worry about never happens. Well, they, they've got a point, okay? <laughs> but I don't think it's a very good point. But, you know, there, there's, uh, there's four things that the Bible says that we don't have to worry about. Now, I think there's actually more than that, but I'm only going to give you four of them. Four things that the Bible says we don't have to worry about. Jesus says that we don't have to worry about everyday life when we're following him. Did you know my horses don't have to worry about having hay? They most of the time have hay, Right? I make them clean it up is what I'm saying, okay? I be sure they clean it up. Todd's like, you going to feed your horses? No, they got to clean that up. They got to clean that up. There's nothing there. Okay, we'll feed them. <laughs> but he said, Jesus says, we don't have to worry about everyday life. In Matthew 6, 25, he says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. That's why I titled that. Did y'all see that? 
That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? He's like, he's like you don't have to worry about everyday life, man, because when you're on my outfit, I'm going to take care of you. I may make you clean some stuff up sometimes, but I'm going to take care of you. But more often than not, man, what do we strive for every single day? We're always worried about, you know, we're going to have the right kind of clothes, the right kind of food. Everyday life, man, we, it consumes us all the time. Jesus said, you know, you ain't got to worry about everyday life. The second thing he says that you don't have to worry about is death. Listen to this. He says, can any of you live a bit longer by worrying about it? Is worry going to add any time to your life? You know, God's not going to look down and go, you know, they've just been working their butt off worrying. Let's give them another 12 hours. It's not going to happen, man. You, you don't have to worry about it, man. God knows when, we're gonna, when, when our time is up. He, he, he knows when it's going to happen. And, and worrying about it is not going to do anything but take away from the time that we have left. We don't have to worry about death. Jesus says also that we don't have to worry about the future. And if you're a worrywart, you can always go to Matthew chapter 6 because this is the worry chapter, okay? He spends like 30 verses talking about worry. Uh, he says that we don't have to worry about the future. In Matthew 6, 34, he says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Why, why are you worried about tomorrow? What can you do about tomorrow? Not a stinking thing. I mean, you might be able to do a little preparation or something like that, but if you're, if you're busy preparing for tomorrow, what are you doing for today? One, one of the biggest problems I see in, in my own life is not being able to be present in the moment and just enjoy what you're doing. How much of our time is spent working our butts off while worrying about what you're going to do tomorrow or what happened yesterday? We don't have to worry about everyday life. We don't have to worry about death. We don't have to worry about the future. And we don't have to worry about what others say. Now, I think I've covered about 90% of our worries in this little five minute here. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, don't worry about them. They are blind leaders of the blind, and when one blind man leads another, both fall into a ditch. He's talking about the Pharisees that were, that were criticizing the disciples and other people for how they were living and, and you know, holding them to stand, wouldn't even hold to themselves. But the basic premise of it was is that, that other people were criticizing them. And he said, don't worry about what others say. What he's kind of insinuating is if you're going to worry about what somebody says or thinks, Worry about what I say or think. Not Kevin, but, you know, Jesus, and I'm not Jesus, by the way. If you're going to worry, worry about what God thinks about it. And you know what God thinks about you? He loves you so much he sent his son to die for you, and you're one of his kids now. See, we get into God's personal space when we start worrying. And a lot of times I think he throws a hand up, and he kind of shoes us back a little bit, not, not away from him, but he's like, man, you can't put the over. You let me worry about this, and I ain't worried about it, so... <laughs> Goes to show you how silly we are sometimes. We don't be need, need to be getting into God's personal space. Don't be a butthead. The second thing is I tend to move a lot whenever God's trying to saddle me. Just restless all the time. Why? 
because we don't like training, preparation, or discipline. And, and, and whenever you battle a horse, you're usually doing those things. At least I hope you're doing those things. And what God's doing with us, man, when he takes us and he says, okay, we're going to go practice some of this stuff, we're always in training, preparation, or discipline. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. You know, other people, when they first become Christians, man, you know, by all outward appearances, they're probably not very good Christians. Well, they just don't know. They're, they're baby Christians. They're infants. They're, they're still feeding on milk. But if you are more than feeding on milk now, if you're starting to eat some spiritual meat now that Jesus has given you, man, you are in training. For those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize, that means you're going to have to practice. You're going to have to spend a little time in the saddle. You're going to have to work on some of this because you're not going to be a Christian by accident. You're not going to get up to heaven and go, how did I get here? And Jesus is going to say, well, come on in, man. You kind of fell in here by accident. It's not going to happen. There's going to have to be some training and discipline. See, what we want to do is run and buck and be carefree and cute. You ever seen those little foals out there, how they run and they buck and they fart and they kick and they're like, oh, look how cute. That's how Christians want to be all the time. But there comes a time whenever you come about two years old that Jesus pulls you in and starts halter breaking you. And you make a bunch of mistakes and everything, but then you kind of, he makes the easy things hard and the hard things easy. And it's like, oh, okay. Did I say that right? Yeah, I didn't, but what, what is it? How does that go? The right thing's easy, yeah. Yeah, we make the right things easy and the wrong things hard. Thank you, Ty's wife. Ty was asleep. <laughs> He's out there bucking and farting and kicking and playing. He's thinking about roping. We, you know, and, and, and Jesus takes us in and he starts halter breaking us and he makes, a, he makes the right things easy and the wrong things hard. And we start kind of uh, starting to kind of conform to that a little bit, and then, and then he puts more on us and more on us, and then he gives us a purpose. But in all of that, there's training and discipline and preparation, and, and we hate that, but it's that stuff that's going to make us who we are meant to be. You know, solid food is for the soldiers, the real cowboys who get out there and do the Lord's work. It's going to require you to step out of the sissy pen, okay? Isn't it amazing? That's what we put all of our time and effort in is so that we can, so our lives can be comfortable and easy. The comfort zone, the sissy pen, that, that, that's all we ever want to do, but you're not going to grow in there, man. As a matter of fact, you're going to wither away in that sissy pen. God's constantly going in there and getting us and bringing us out of that and saying, hey, man, you, you, you got to do some growing here. It will require a little bit of effort, Okay. Like I said, man, you're not going to come on this by accident. You're not going to do this naturally. Uh, eventually, it will become second nature. But in the beginning, you know, you're not going to follow Jesus by accident. And you know what? As far as discipline goes, God's probably going to chew your butt off a few times, not because he's mad, but because you know you're not doing what you're told. I cannot tell you how many times I have done something, and God has nearly, literally tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, you ain't supposed to be doing that. I was like, I know. I know. And about the first hundred times, he let me get by with that. And then about that hundred and first time that I said, I know, after I didn't do something that I was supposed to do, he chewed me out. 
I mean, it, it, you know, you think a, you think a wagon bus or a cow boss chews you out and it, and it hurts your feelings? Have the big man chew you out. It ain't very fun. But he's not doing it because he's mad at you. He's doing it because he wants you to grow and you know what you're supposed to do. Sometimes those, those, those feelings of restlessness, and I went through one about a week and a half ago of, of God just kind of getting on me a little bit. Hey, man, you, you, you know, there's nothing wrong with, 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 with going over here to your comfort zone a little way, but you've been, you've been camping out in it over here. Get back out there and do what you're supposed to be doing. You understand me? Yes, sir. We don't need to be invading God's personal space by worrying. We don't need to be moving around when he's trying to uh, saddle us and train us and, and prepare us and discipline us so that we can become who we're supposed to be. And the third thing that we don't need to be doing is we don't stand still very well. God takes us out somewhere and says, wait right here. And we wait there for about 10 seconds, and we start looking back towards the sissy pen, or we start pawing the ground, and I want to go do something. I don't want to. And, and, and Jesus is just saying, Man, just wait right here. Just wait. In Genesis 2, 1 through 3, it says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. There are three very important we can learn from that. Number one, did you know after the first day he created everything, he said it was good. Second day he created everything, he said it was good. Third day, same, fourth, fifth, sixth. And then on the seventh day, he rested. All of the other days were called good. But what he called his day of rest, he called it holy. He also called it blessed. It's the only day that carries the distinction of being a blessed day and a holy day was the day of rest. Not when he was working his tail end off, if that was possible. Not when he was creating the heavens and the earth and the animals and all of that. Even when he created us, he just called it good. But on the day he kicked back, after six days of working, he called the day of rest holy and blessed. And what he asks us to do is to go out there and just stand there and rest for one day, one day a week. And that is something that is absolutely wrong our culture. I love the cowboy work ethic and everything, but you know what? We work seven days a week and we pat ourselves on the back for it. Now, I'm not telling you that you got to become religious like the Jewish and, and take the Sabbath day and you, know, you won't even press a button in an elevator because that's considered work. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus himself said, man, if your donkey fell in the well, <laughs> I was going to use the other word, but yeah, I, I won't go that far because it would have been funny, but you know what I mean. Y'all are still giggling. Yeah, it would have been funny. Yeah, if your donkey fell in a well, you would still pull it out, right? You're not, well, I can't work today. That's not what he's talking about. It's a day to keep from where, where you can just say, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I, he's not going to discipline you or train you today. He's like, man, just go rest. It's blessed and it's holy. You know, we all have a tendency to look towards that comfort zone constantly, to always be looking over there, whether it's money, whether it's a home, whether it's, uh, you know, tired of being around people or, or, or whatever. We all have a tendency to look back towards that comfort zone every single day. We get up in God's space every day with worrying about things that we can't control. 
We move around when he's trying to train on us, prepare us, and discipline us so we can become who he made us to be. You know, uh, one of the greatest revelations I ever had was purpose isn't in something that you do. It's in who you become. Purpose comes from within who we are, not what we do with our hands. Your purpose isn't with your hands. Your purpose is in who you are. We move around while he's on us, prepare us, and discipline us so we can become who he made us to be, so you can be fulfilled. And he wants us to rest. But we just keep moving around, creeping up, step by step, not resting. Some of us even go so far as to whine, cry, and paw at the ground. I mean, that, that's how much we hate rest. And then we complain to everybody of how tired we are. Aren't we silly? Aren't we all a bunch of buttheads? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, I'm going to read it in the Simplified Cowboy Version. Come and ride with me, all of y'all that are worn out, smooth, worn smooth out and feel like a miner's old pack mule, and I will take the load off of you and let you lie down in tall green grass. Ride with me and learn what I teach you, because I'm gentle, trail boss, and my heart is pure and humble. With me is where you'll find rest for your soul. Riding for me is easy, and working for me ain't hard either. We make it hard. We make it hard. When, when Jesus just wants to saddle us up and just go check on the yearlings, we get up in his personal space. We, we're tied to the fence, and, and, and we just keep moving around, and he keeps resetting our feet. And then whenever we do finally get out there to the yearlings, we, we, we wait for 30 seconds and then turn around and try to go back or go do something else, anything besides what God wants us to do. Each and every one of us, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, for my, load is e my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When God is working through you, it will feel effortless because it's him the work, not you. But you're the conduit. Do what he says to do. Get, don't worry. Man, when he's trying to train you, when it's time, don't just keep telling him, I know, and keep doing something different. And the third thing, learn to rest. God is probably taking you right now and just parking you somewhere, and you're not going to move until you learn to rest. And once you rest, he will start fulfilling you. He'll start giving you that strength, and then you can go do something that will make a difference not only in your life but in the lives of others. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so much for your message today. God, there's, there's, there's a bunch of butthead in all of us, especially me. God, let me take this to heart today and know that you're, out, you're constantly training on me and I don't have to worry and I definitely need to learn how to rest. God, we thank you for what you've done for us and, and your never-ending grace and your never-ending patience. But let us grow. Let us not take advantage of that. Let us grow towards you. Let us rededicate ourselves today. Let us go home all week long with those three things in mind of not to worry and, and to know when God's training on us and to do our job and, and also to learn how to rest. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you ever dreamed of being a cowboy? Do you long to ride for the brand? If you're one of those rare individuals, then we at Save the Cowboy have something just for you. We believe that you are capable of more than you ever imagined. We are offering you the chance to ride for the Lord and save the Cowboys Long X Ranch. We can show you how to be stronger, go further, and ride harder than you ever thought possible. And you know what? We just happen to have a spot for a cowboy. You ready to saddle up? A Long X Ranch cowboy is a person wanting to take their relationship with God to the next level. Our cowboys strive to live a life worthy of their calling and help save the cowboy gather the lost and bring back those that have strayed away. 
Are you ready to take the outside? If so, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and sign up today. We'll be waiting on you.